Would you turn with me to Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16. Luke 16 is a parable in Luke 16, verses 1 through 13. It's a parable. There were about 40 parables like this one. Uh, The word for parable meant to place something alongside of something else. Jesus would place a relatable story or a familiar subject alongside spiritual truth. And the parable would illustrate the truth, sometimes by comparison, other times by contrast. Last week, Josh did an awesome job introducing us to the prodigal son. I've been asking if he would let me borrow Shiloh's study Bible, but so far uh, they're thinking about it. But anyway, I really appreciate that fresh and creative approach, Josh, as you use that uh, study Bible of Shiloh's. But he introduced us to the parable of the prodigal son. If you were to go back to chapter 15, verses 1 through 3, what you discover is at that time that parable was addressed to tax collectors and sinners to Pharisees and scribes. This parable, if you begin in chapter 16, Jesus pivots and he goes from talking to those who don't have a personal relationship with God yet to those who do. He pivots in chapter 16 and verse one and it begins like this. He also said to the disciples, to the disciples. So there's something that I feel God has placed on my heart to share with you as we look at this passage together uh, this morning. I want to invite you, if you haven't found it yet, to look with me to Luke chapter 16. We're going to be reading from verse 1 down through verse 13. It's almost like there are four different scenes that we will go through as we just read the parable. After the parable, Jesus gives some application. He starts saying, okay, That's the story. Here's what I want you to know as followers of me. The parable has a connecting point, actually, with the parable of the prodigal son. Do you remember in the parable of the prodigal son how it says in chapter 15 and verse 13 that he squandered, he squandered his property? You're going to hear another man, not a prodigal son, but a prodigal steward who once again squandered, or my translation here in the ESV says that he wasted his possessions. Have you ever seen anyone given so much and yet it's like it just comes unglued and comes unraveled? So as I read through this, uh, these four scenes in the parable, I'd like for you to ask yourself just one simple question. The question is, am I investing my life in things that really count? Or am I just on a treadmill? Am I just wasting my life in all that God has entrusted to me? Stand with me as I read through the first eight verses, and then we'll pray and uh, I'll ask you to be seated. It says in chapter 16 and verse one, he also said to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager And charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions, the rich man's possessions, not the manager's possessions, the rich man's possessions. And he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? 
turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. Now, this brings great fear into the heart of the manager. He's about, he's just lost his job. Watch what he does. And the manager said to himself, what shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I've decided what to do so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their homes. So you can see he's thinking of a plan. I would call it a scam. Now let's go to verse five. So summoning his master's debtors, one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, a hundred measures of oil. He said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly and write 50. Notice how now he's had them put it in their own writing. They're complicit in this scam. Then he said to another, and how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and write 80. It's always fun giving away other people's money, isn't it? But when it's ours, we have to wait. Wait, I want some accountability here. So I want you now to look at um, verse eight. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. He commended him? Wait a minute. He calls him a dishonest manager, but it says that this manager, I mean, this rich man, the owner, he commends the dishonest manager. Some Bible scholars say this is the most difficult parable to understand. Would you go to the Lord with me and let's ask God, what can we learn from this passage and the verses we're about to read? Thank you, Father, for the timeless word of God. We know that all of your word from beginning to end, it's truth, truth that you've revealed to us. And the truth about life is sometimes we get off track. Sometimes we do things that are dishonest, things that are sneaky and deceptive. Other times, whenever we repent of sin and turn to Christ, you begin to transform us and we live differently than we did before. And so give us understanding today through this text of what it is you want us to know. Many of us in this room are already disciples. We're followers of Christ. We are trying to do your will. We're trying to be good stewards. Thank you once again for South Texas Children's Home and how the money that we give from every offering we take, a portion of that money goes to them. We just saw how they are being a good steward, a faithful steward. So help us to think, am I being a good steward with what God has blessed me with? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. Now, Jesus shifts in the middle of verse eight, all the way down through verse 13, he's no longer gonna be the narrator of a parable. He's gonna take on this role now of an instructor of principles. And so we're no longer gonna be listening to the crafty schemes of a dishonest steward. We're not gonna be watching 
the misguided evaluation of a detached owner. But what we're gonna hear are the penetrating insights of the discerning Lord. The Lord is watching my life. He's watching your life. He's given us everything we have in life. And there's something he's expecting in return. And so that brings us to verse eight. And that brings us to the first of five life investment principles that I wanna pass on to you. Because I know many of you personally, I've been here 15 years and I've gotten to know you. You want your life to count for God. Others of you may be here and you're visiting. I haven't gotten to know you. Perhaps you're like that. Or maybe you would say, wait a minute, I feel conviction. I feel that God is speaking to me. I'm not investing my life in these comments that Jesus is about to make to those who are followers of his. So let's read from verse eight. Let's just read the second half of verse eight. For those sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. What is he trying to get at? You see, Jesus looks at his followers and he probes the motives and the methods of their hearts with these life investment principles. If I were to give a name to this principle, I would say this, fervency with opportunity. Fervency with opportunity. Are you fervent toward the opportunities that God has given to you? This man knows he's about to lose his job. Suddenly he moves into high gear and he starts thinking, how can I survive if I lose my job? Well, do you know that God is somewhat like the rich man? God has blessed each one of us with whatever we have. We do not have the same amounts in this room. And that's a God thing. God did not give us the same resources. We sometimes want it to be equal, but it's not equal. That's not the way God does things. And that's not the way life is. If we try to teach our children, it'll always be equal. You'll always have the same amount that everyone else has. Soon they will begin to see, that's not right. That's not even true. It's not real. And so what I wanted you to see is that here we are, God is contrasting two different groups. Which group are you in? He said, there are some here that are called sons of this world. There are others that are called sons of light. Would you be on God's team? Or would you say, no, I'm still playing for the world's team. Some haven't decided yet. But now the Lord's talking to God's team. He's talking to the sons of light. And he says, are you connecting with your generation the way that others that even are doing things wrong, dishonest? He's not holding them up as some great model. All he's saying is they're fervent. They're, they're committed to this. They have this gumption that's deep within them that are saying, I've got to do the best I can now. There's something about us as Christians that somehow we kind of slip back into this, you know, lazy mentality. And we should say, no, God's given me everything I have. I'm not gonna be lazy. I'm gonna be shrewd. I'm gonna be wise. I'm gonna try to do the very best I can with all that God has given to me. I'm not gonna be passive about honoring my king. I'm gonna be fervent. That's the first life principle. 
Are you fervent about the opportunities that God has given to you in life? Let's go to the second one. The Lord next gives a second lesson for life investment about the future. The future. Do you make any plans at all about the future? My guess is almost everyone here has a plan of some kind for the future. But are we including outreach in the plans for the future? You see, it is wise to save money for the future. In these uncertain times, some people are saying, I'm not just saving money. What if the dollar has no value? I'm actually saving three months worth of food and water and so forth. But along with 501k plans and life insurance policies and college funds and survival kits, what about the kingdom? What about the souls of those you work with? The people down the street, where will they spend eternity? That's what he gets at in this next verse nine. Jesus says, and I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. They may receive you into the eternal dwellings. I want to call this the 169E investment plan. The 169E plan says, okay, I'm earning, I'm working hard for the money that I have. No problem there. With the earnings, are we investing some of that in evangelism? Are we trying to reach those that we know? Are you having, say, someone over for a meal at your house? It'll cost you something to have them over, but you're saying it'll be worth it because I want to make investments in reaching other people. And why should we? Well, Jesus reminds us because every soul is gonna go out into eternity. They'll spend eternity in heaven or they'll spend eternity in hell. If we can get the gospel to them, they have an opportunity to turn from sin and trust Christ, the finished work of Christ on the cross. So they have an opportunity to be saved. You know, I have this feeling that someday out there in eternity, when you and I are in heaven, there are gonna be some children who came to know Christ through the South Texas Children's Home. And they're gonna come up to you and they're gonna say, I wanna thank you so much because what you did led to me praying to receive Christ and I'm here in heaven because of you. And you're gonna say, excuse me, but I can't place you. Have we met? And they said, no, we've never met face to face. But whenever you gave, part of that money was used to win us to Christ. That's what will happen around the world as we support missionaries, as we support ministries. The same kind of thing. You don't know and I don't know where our influence will go, but we ought to say, Lord, one thing I know, I don't want my money to just be about material things. I want eternal things. I want people to be in heaven with me someday. And if you'll pray and ask God to do that, he will help you invest in that way. Well, I wanna to move to a third way that we can daily make investments in life. It is through faithfulness in the ordinary. I see this in verse 10. 
Verse 10 says, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. Do you know that in another place in the Bible called 1 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2, God describes what he's looking for from his stewards, his servants, his children, his people. What does God expect from us when he entrusts us with resources, when he entrusts us with talents and abilities, when he entrusts us with some time that we have that's discretionary, where will I invest this time? You know what I think he expects? Faithfulness. Faithfulness in the daily, the ordinary, where you take time and you say to your wife, let's go on a walk. When you sit down, when you get home from work and you're tired and you say, I believe I'm gonna sit down and just play with my kids. I remember when my girls would ride on my back and I was the horse, I wouldn't let them ride on my back now. I wouldn't be here on Sundays if they were on my back now. But I'm not saying anything about their weight, so just don't go there. I'm just saying they've grown up and they're adults, all right? But here's the thing. Life is not fair, like I said earlier. It's not fair. Life is not equal in all the resources. God doesn't entrust his people with the same exact amounts. Sometime beyond today, I encourage you to look at a related scripture. It's a parable, actually, in Matthew 25. In Matthew 25, a man is going on a journey. And so he takes these talents and he gives them to three different men. To one man, he gives five talents. To the next man, he gives two talents. To the next man, he gives one talent. And he expected them to be faithful with what he entrusted to them. And as you know, if you're familiar with the Bible, you know that two of those men were faithful. One man buried his talent in a hole in the ground. And whenever the rich man came back, he was not happy with that man. But it says in there, whenever he gives one five, and he gives another two, and he gives another one, it makes a statement. And I wondered about how God gives out his resources, entrusts us with his resources. And what it says is that to each, according to his ability, he gave five, he gave two, he gave one. I got to thinking about stewardship. Because here it says, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. Do you know that the Bible, the New Testament, actually brings up some different ways that we are entrusted with something, and God is watching, and God is saying, will you be faithful with what I've entrusted to you? For example, let me give you just three to get you started. Okay, how about you write down this, if you're a note taker, write down Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 17. Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 17. We are entrusted with time. And so what God says is we should redeem the time. We need to be careful with our stewardship of time. If you don't watch it, you can blow a lot of time with just looking at social media sites and just scrolling through. You can waste a lot of time looking at TV. 
And there goes, you know, a, a few hours. If we don't watch it, we spend incredible amounts of time and we've not shared the gospel. We've not tried to serve someone else. We've not volunteered to help in Awana or VBS or in Sunday school or in the nursery. It's like we only are investing our time in other places other than the kingdom of God. And I love you. I'm your pastor. And so I'm just trying to tell you now that God expects us to be a good steward of time. Let's also look at another thing. You know, if you were to read 1 Peter 4, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11, you would see that God has given to each one a gift. Whenever you became a Christian, you were given at least one spiritual gift, perhaps more than one. And you know what, God? It says that he wants us to be a good steward in serving the body of Christ. So I also have to look at this and say, am I being faithful with the stewardship of gifts, gifts and abilities that God has given to me? There are people in our church who can repair things and fix things and build things, and I wouldn't have a clue of how to do that. There are people who can plant things and actually grow things, and I wouldn't have, a, I remember in Canada, we had a vegetable garden and I would bring it all in in one little container and Jody said, that's all we got? I said, that's all we got. You know, and she thought that was, you know, just for the day. Nope, that's the whole harvest right there. You know, I've just never been good at growing things. But are we a good steward of the gifts that we do have? I'm not asking you to do something that you don't have, something that God hasn't made you really powerful, effective. You're good at it. Other people need that. Are you plugging that in to God's kingdom? Stewardship of time, stewardship of gifts. There's also this one. Maybe you've never thought about 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 4. Do you know that we were entrusted with the gospel? Entrusted with the gospel. So in other words, we have the good news. We've got a message of hope. We know where people can be forgiven. And remember when the, the burden of my sin rolled away? Whenever that day you trusted Christ. Sometimes we're just really living it up and enjoying it. You know, we're just so happy and joyful in life. Our marriage, our family is having a blast. But all around us, other families, other marriages, they're not having a blast. They need the gospel. They need to know what can help them. And here we sit with it and we're not sharing that, that simple message of salvation, how others can come to know the Lord. So whenever I read this verse, I just thought, man, Lord, help us be faithful in the ordinary, the daily. So that's one of them, faithful in the ordinary, gonna invest in the future through outreach. We're gonna be fervent toward opportunities. But here's a fourth one as you drop down into verses 11 and 12. How about forward? Forward in God's kingdom, forward in our maturity, forward in learning to be an effective, mature servant of the Lord. Are we moving forward or are you plateaued? Well, verse 11 and 12 tells us, why do people plateau some and then why do others seem to kind of move on and they just keep on growing, keep being used? Well, it says in verses 11 and 12, if then you have not been faithful 
in the unrighteous wealth? Who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? Chuck Swindoll writes in his commentary on this text, how we handle the little that we have determines how we will handle much in this realm and in the age to come. Sometimes we're only thinking now, right? Some who have a little now, you better brace yourself. I better brace myself because the, the resources and the responsibilities that, that I have now, when I get to heaven, people who have far less are gonna maybe be way out front of me. People who have far more may be behind me because God is saying, have you been obedient? Have you been obedient? Obedience is the way forward in God's kingdom, in God's work. So in other words, our obedience to his will now prepares us for additional responsibility in his kingdom work later. So if I'll say, okay, Lord, I've always wished that I could do this or do that, but am I doing what I can do right now? Am I being obedient with what I have? Look closely at verse um, 11. What do you think is meant by these words? Who will entrust to you the true riches? What are the true riches? Do you think we have the true riches in our wallets, in our purchase? Do we have the true riches, you know, on a piece of property? Did you drive today in the true riches? Or is Jesus talking about something else or someone else? Is he talking about people? Is he talking about the word of God? Is he talking about God himself and God's glory? Is he talking about the kingdom of God? You see, there are some things that are gonna be eternal. And there are other things. They're just related to now, just this life. And so you understand what he's saying, right? Whatever I do with the things now, the things that are just related to this life, that's gonna make a big difference. Sometime I'm encouraging you again, read that parable in Matthew 25, the parable of the talents. You won't believe what Jesus says after the two men who were faithful with investing the abilities, the resources, the talents that God had given to them. It says, you were faithful over a few things. And so I'm gonna make you ruler over many things. A ruler, ruler where? A ruler when? Is it right now? No, everything that God is going to do is not limited to right now. But listen to this, God's watching right now. So am I obeying as his servant, as one of his children? Well, let me give you the fifth and the final life investment principle. The first place, the first place in our lives rightfully belongs to the owner of life. That's the way I would describe it in verse 13. No servant can serve two masters. You can't do it. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So in the mysterious parable, the dishonest steward forgot. Somewhere along the way, he forgot. These things aren't mine. These things belong to the rich man. Remember, that's how he got in trouble. 
he began to misuse the rich man's possessions. But he's reminded in chapter 16, verse one, these are the other man's possessions. Do you know that all that we have, it's not ours. Even your life, your health, all that you can think of and do, all the things that you have. Do you know, I know I'm not belittling that you worked for some things, no doubt. But here's the thing, even though you work for it, who gave you the ability to work? Who gave you the body that you could use to work? And so the thing is, if God gave you everything that you have, why is he way down the list in terms of priority? Why don't we say, you know what? Because he gave it all to me, he deserves to be first. I'm not gonna give him the leftovers and the scraps of my life. I'm gonna give him the very best that I can. That's what I think he's getting at. Because if we don't make that decision, then we could be devoted all our lives to the wrong stuff, such as self, money, things, friends, a career, comfort, popularity. It goes on and on and on. But what I'm saying is Jesus is asking, who's your master? What is it? Who is it that you personally are most devoted to? It's like everything else could change in my life, but this will never change. That is what it means to follow Christ. That is a disciple. When a disciple says, my ultimate loyalty is to the Lord Jesus Christ, he saved me. You see, these five life investment principles challenge us with this sobering question. I'm not saying it's a comfortable question. It's a sobering question. And sometimes it's painful to look at it but I'm just saying we need to look at it and we need to ask ourselves, am I, not my mom, not my dad, not my grandfather, not my grandmother, not my husband, not my wife, am I, am I investing in the things of God or am I just wasting my life? Because pretty soon we don't know how much longer we'll have what we have. So we have to say, I want to live for higher, greater things. I want to put the lesser things in their place. I'm not saying they're not important, but I'm simply saying, is God the most important? Another one of those verses you might want to write down for a later study is Deuteronomy 8 verses 11 through 20. It reminds each of us that we have been entrusted with a stewardship from God. Deuteronomy 8, 11 through 20. But it also reminds me of this passage because what it says to me is, I gave you all these things, don't forget me. That's what God told the nation of Israel. When you come into that land, when you have all these nice houses, when you have all the nice vegetables and you have all these different things in your life, the gold and the silver and all these things, God says twice, do not forget the Lord God who gave you all that you have. Oh my goodness, that is so important. He says later in that same passage, remember the Lord God who gave you all those things. So today the invitation is this, am I investing my life in those five things that are so critical in terms of honoring God, in terms of his kingdom's work, in terms of his glory, 
Am I being fervent with the opportunities or am I just kind of being passive? What about the future? I know you're investing for the future, but are you investing in outreach that will lead to the future? People in heaven with us. What about faithful in the ordinary? Are you being faithful with those ordinary things that God has placed in your life, your family, your faith? You know, what about all of those kind of things? Of course, your work. Are you being faithful with the opportunities at work? Are you moving forward because you just simply are trying to obey God? And so you're right where he wants you to be. Don't resist it. Just say, Lord, I'm trying to bloom where I'm planted. I'm trying to obey what you want me to do right here in this place. But then also, are you giving God first? First place. Is he truly Lord or are we just playing a game? I encourage you, make those life investments. If you want somebody to pray with, I'll be down here during our time of invitation. We'll be brief, but if there's something on your heart, then you come. Let's all stand together. Let's pray and give this time of invitation and then extend the invitation in his name. Lord, I thank you so much for your love for us. Lord, I know that this passage is hard to understand. Uh, Lord, I know that it's, it's very uh, convicting sometimes to think it through. But Lord, I do know that you will hold us accountable for how we live our lives. And I love these people. That's why I wanted to tell them. I wanted them to be prepared. I wanted them to make wise investments with the time, with their abilities, their talents, uh, with their treasures they work so hard for. And so help us, oh Lord, to truly live for you as number one in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas.